Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The Vegas Golden Knights may be Stanley Cup champions, and the Denver Nuggets may be kings of the basketball world. That doesn't mean there aren't dozens of props, odds, promos, and parlays available for you right now at BetOnline Sportsbook. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, with the link in the description to this episode to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first bet. Whether it's baseball, MMA, boxing, Boxing, WNBA, golf, or anything in between, a 50% welcome bonus is available for you. Bet online where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in today, however and whenever you may be choosing. It is Tuesday, June 20th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you might be listening. We had breaking NBA news come in on Sunday. We didn't immediately talk about the NBA news from Sunday with the Bradley Beal trade, in part because we also had to talk about John Morant getting suspended all the way back on Friday, and we wanted to wait and see if the Chris Paul deal would get rerouted to another team, but it looks like we're going to have to wait until Wednesday or Thursday for that news to come in. So I guess it'll be part of our NBA draft show where we break down any updates in that trade. But from what we understand right now, Bradley Beal is going to the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, some second round picks, future pick swaps. Those are going to Washington. And this is a super, super unique trade because Bradley Beal's contract was super, super unique. And that's the biggest takeaway, I think, from this whole trade is Bradley Beal had a super unique situation because the Washington Wizards gave him a super unique contract. First part of the deal is Bradley Beal qualified for all of the Supermax qualifiers in that he made an all-NBA team in 2021, the year right before he was eligible for his Supermax extension. He had been drafted by the Wizards. He had signed his first Supermax extension with the Wizards. And so Bradley Beal happened to hit all of the qualifiers for a Supermax contract, and the Washington Wizards were the only team in the league who was willing to give a Supermax 
contract to Bradley Beal. The other interesting part of it is when Bradley Beal first signed his original Supermax extension, it was supposed to expire after 2021 because Bradley Beal had played at that point eight seasons with the Washington Wizards. And what Bradley Beal ended up doing was declining his player option, signing a two-year extension with the Wizards for $35 million a year, and then after 10 years, the NBA collective bargaining agreement has a structure in place where he gets more of a percentage of the salary cap eligible on his first deal. On his first deal, he can make up on the first year of his deal, he could make up to 35% of the NBA salary cap. And then with his bird rights, his contract increases, I believe it's um, 5% year over year into perpetuity of his contract. And Bradley Beal qualified for 35% of the league salary cap instead of what would have been 30% if he had signed after year 8. He waited until year 10, signed the Supermax contract with the Wizards, And by the way, right before signing the Supermax contract, qualified for an All-NBA team. That was the year that um, coming out of the bubble, he went absolutely berserk and was leading the league in scoring for a couple years, even though the Wizards, I think, were the 10 seed in the play-in tournament. But he was leading the league in scoring because Bradley Beal had some contract incentives to make an All-NBA team. So Bradley Beal made All-NBA third team, which made him eligible for the Supermax. And because he waited until year 10, he got 35% of the salary cap. And that's why Bradley Beal's contract is super unique. He is the player who hit on every single incentive to make sure that he secured himself a five-year, $251 million contract. And because he had been drafted by the Wizards, because he had been the second best player on the best Wizards team of all time, which isn't saying a whole lot because the best Wizards team of all time was that team that lost to Isaiah Thomas in the second round of the playoffs. But again, the Wizards haven't won a championship since 1979. And even that team with Wes Unseld Jr., I believe was like the four seed in the playoffs that year. It was the Western Conference playoffs instead of the Eastern Conference playoffs. But I believe that team wasn't even the best regular season team in their conference when they won the championship. That Wizards team that made it to the second that came within one game of making the conference finals, they probably would have lost to LeBron in the conference finals, but the Wizards making the conference finals in the 21st century probably would have been if not the greatest Wizards team of all time, the second greatest Wizards team of all time. And so Bradley Beal was the second best player on that team. He had been drafted by the franchise with the third pick in the draft. Hometown, I mean, not hometown in terms of from Washington, but drafted by the organization, developed over eight years, and he was going to be the guy who was going to retire a Washington Wizard until the Wizards realized, hey, Bradley Beal is definitely not good enough to make 40, uh, to make, million per year for the next five seasons. And the Washington Wizards, when they signed Bradley Beal to a Supermax extension, also gave him a full no-trade clause. 
Because Bradley Beal was very consistent on, I want to be a wizard. I want to turn the Wizards into a winning franchise. And he leveraged that into not just a full no trade clause. And Bradley Beal waived his no trade clause. And in the event that he didn't waive his no trade clause, they could incentivize him with a 15% trade bonus in the event that he didn't want to go and play for the team that he was being traded to. They had an option where he could get a trade bonus, and that got voided because of the trade. But still, Bradley Beal getting traded to the Phoenix Suns was a super unique situation because it came one year after the Wizards signed him to that Supermax extension, and the Wizards were totally fine with it. The Wizards were like, wow, this was a really bad idea to sign him to a Supermax extension because he because the, the situation was so unique. He specifically waited until year 10 to sign a contract extension. Bradley Beal specifically waited until after he made an All-NBA team in 2021 to sign a Supermax extension. He played his hand perfectly and got a $50 million a year extension with the Washington Wizards, played it perfectly when he signed that Supermax extension after year 10. And Bradley Beal gets $50 million and gets to pick the team that he played for because Washington hired a new president of basketball operations away from the Clippers. Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Washington Wizards, is one of these mega wealthy owners that we don't talk about being a mega wealthy owner. I mean, he's he owns the Wizards, he owns the Washington Mystics, the WNBA team, he owns the Washington Capitals, the NHL team, he's talking about buying the Washington Nationals from the Lerner family, which would be worth about $2.5 billion, like, this dude is one of these mega wealthy owners that we don't talk about being a mega wealthy owner, and Ted Leonsis was in the game a few years ago of trying to hire Masai Ujiri away from the Toronto Raptors after they won the championship in 2019. Masai was coming up on a contract extension and the Wizards tried to get him away from Toronto and Masai used him as leverage to get a new extension with the Raptors that gave him more power within the organization, which was probably the best move for Masai Ujiri. But at the same time, it was so interesting to watch Masai Ujiri be courted by the Washington Wizards. The Wizards were uh, in talks about trying to go after Ty Lue when he was available as a head coach, and they ultimately hired Wes Unsell Jr. as a connection to his dad being the greatest player in the franchise's history, but you could guess that Ted Leonsis had a say in that hire of Wes Unsell Jr. and had a say in the fact that despite the, the Wizards never making the playoffs in the three years, of Wes Unsell Jr.'s tenure. I mean, they made the play-in tournament one year, but in the three years of Wes Unsell Jr. being the head coach of the Wizards, despite the fact that they never made the playoffs and there were talks about him getting fired at the end of the season, I guess he's only been there two years now, but missed the playoffs, 35 wins, 35 wins in back-to-back seasons. They stuck by him going into the future, and obviously now they're rebuilding the team, but... They tried to get Masai Ujiri to come over from Toronto. They had tried to hire Ty Lue. They ultimately hired. Um, they ultimately hired 
Wes Unsell Jr., and now they hired a general manager who had previously been running the Clippers and made him the highest paid executive in the NBA. Although reportedly, there's not official contract details, but reportedly the highest paid executive in the league with president of basketball operation titles, which ultimately means chief basketball decision maker, which was previously Tommy Shepard, who's kind of, I think he's still with the organization, but he's kind of been relegated from his role because Tommy Shepard didn't do a very good job running the Washington Wizards. Let's see, Tommy Shepard. No, he's he's been fired at this point. So Tommy Shepard got fired at the end of the season and they hired uh, the former president of the LA Clippers to come run the Wizards. And first order of business was, we got to get out of this Bradley Beal contract. And they didn't even care about getting value for the Bradley Beal contract. They didn't say we have to, We didn't. they didn't hardball Beal and say, we have to meet this price in order to make this deal no, they they were they came out and they were like, look, pick the team you want to go to. We will accommodate. Bradley Beal's agent made a, a statement with Woj after the fact that like the Leonceses and the president of the Wizards were incredibly instrumental in making this process work. Like they were grateful that the Wizards were so accommodating with Bradley Beal's trade situation. They did right by Bradley Beal. And granted, they they didn't really have a chance a choice because Bradley Beal had the full no trade clause. However, they were so eager to get out of the contract that they didn't even want to hardball Beal and say, like Kevin Durant had, you know, we need a list larger than these two teams. And the Durant Brooklyn thing played out for months because Durant wanted to go to Phoenix or Miami, and they didn't want to make a deal with Phoenix or Miami because those teams weren't offering the best packages. And so they just kind of like stalemated for a little bit with the Brooklyn Nets. That didn't happen with the Wizards because Bradley Beal, it came, I mean, the Wizards took uh, offers from the Sacramento Kings. They had listened to what the Miami Heat had to offer, even though Miami didn't offer Tyler Hero in a trade package reportedly. Uh, they'd had conversations. I, there was a fourth team, but I can't remember. Oh, it was um, the Lakers. They had talked to the Lakers. They had talked to the Sacramento Kings. But ultimately, Bradley Beal wanted to waive his no-trade clause for Phoenix and Phoenix only. And they accommodated even though they got no first-round picks. Chris Paul, who they're trying to, again, flip to another team for potentially a first-round pick. Like, the Wizards' victory in that trade was we don't have to pay Bradley Beal anymore because the Wizards were dead set on there's a new CBA that's going to make it more difficult to keep multiple max players under contract. There's whispers they might extend Porzingis for $40 million a year, although maybe it's more likely that they sign and trade him to somewhere else. The Wizards are in such an interesting position going forward and it's going to be really interesting to watch the Wizards over the next two or three seasons I mean Kyle Kuzma is clearly on his way out the door at this point and the question of Porzingis staying or going would be whether or not they really tear this thing to the studs and do what the Detroit Pistons did after Blake Griffin got bought out and they spend two or three years really tanking in draft classes that aren't supposed to be as good as this year's draft class, but the hope is that they don't have to keep 
spending all their draft picks in the middle. Because when we did our, our eulogy of the Washington Wizards, I pointed out like the Wizards have drafted mid um, end of the lottery for the last three years or last four years and every single pick hasn't turned into anything so they drafted before Denny Advia with the ninth pick in the draft and he played almost every game this season but he's averaging like 10 points a game for his career 9.2 was his total last season and then didn't play at the end of the season they drafted Denny Advia with the ninth pick in the draft they drafted Rui Hachimura with the ninth pick in the draft in 2019. They drafted Advia in 2020 with the ninth pick in the draft. In 2021, they took Corey Kispert with the 15th pick in the draft, who, again, fine player, averages 10 points a game. Guy that comes off the bench probably wouldn't be interested in extending at the end of his current contract. Kispert was the 15th pick in the draft, and then last year they took Johnny Davis with the 10th pick in the draft, who, again, is a rookie but didn't put up any numbers as a lottery pick for the Wizards. So the Wizards have drafted four bench players in the last four drafts. They took Rui Hachimura, Denny Advia, they took uh, Corey Kispert, and they took Johnny Davis. And I don't think, I mean, all Rui Hachimura has been traded now, obviously, because his contract was coming up. But I don't think any of those guys are long-term options for the Wizards. And so the Wizards have decided we got to get all-star caliber players and the best chance to acquire all-star caliber players is through the draft and have them on rookie contracts because we it's not good enough to just have all-stars we need all-stars on rookie contracts and they got Porzingis out of not a whole lot I mean they signed Davis Bertans to a long-term contract and they signed Dinwiddie to a long-term contract and then flipped those guys into Porzingis and that was a good move by Tommy Shepard to turn cap space into Porzingis because they didn't have to give up any picks or players. Kuzma's the only piece that they have left from the Russell Westbrook trade, which granted it looked like which Russell Westbrook trade was originally the John Wall trade. So if you follow the the path of that, they basically gave up a they they gave up a first round pick for Kyle Kuzma. And for two years of Kyle Kuzma, giving up a first-round pick isn't the worst idea in the world. The problem was they didn't really put any support around Kyle Kuzma. So if you follow the winding path of the trade, giving up a first-round pick for two years of Kyle Kuzma in a vacuum isn't that bad of a deal. I mean, the Sacramento Kings gave up a first-round pick protected for three years of Kevin Herter. So like in a vacuum, it's not a terrible idea to make that trade. The problem was this isn't just in a vacuum. They kind of made a bad deal in trading for Kyle Kuzma because they didn't really turn it into any value. And so all they got at the end of the Westbrook trade was Kyle Kuzma to show for it. And now Kuzma's on the way out the door and maybe they'll get a draft pick for a sign and trade at the end of Kuzma's run with the Washington Wizards. But they don't really have a lot of value left on the roster. They didn't have a lot of value on the roster going into the offseason. And now that Bradley Beal's been traded, they could maybe pick up a couple of first-round picks. But if the Wizards are deciding, we're going to tear this thing to the studs, we're going to tank, we're going to try and get top picks in the 2024 and 2025 drafts, if that's the game plan for the Wizards, it's not going to be a situation where they get... 17 first round picks like the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not going to be a situation where 
when the Utah Jazz traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, they got eight first-round picks and Lowry Markinen and Colin Sexton to work with. It's not going to be situations like that. It's going to be situations where they get a handful of first-round picks. You know, they've got a first-round pick maybe for Kuzma, a first-round pick for Porzingis if they do a sign-and-trade. Maybe Monte Morris has some value of a couple second-round picks. Maybe they flip some of the second-rounders they got from Phoenix to try and move up in the draft because I think they have pick seven this year in the, or pick eight in the draft this year. So maybe they try and move up in the NBA draft uh, before tomorrow. But they're probably going to get like two or three. For, this isn't going to be like the Spurs getting seven first-round picks in three years as a result of the De, uh, DeMar DeRozan trade, the DeJounte Murray trade. This isn't going to be a situation like that. Yeah, the Wizards had the eight pick in the draft this year. So it's going to be a situation where they get a couple of first-round picks, maybe three or four first-round picks at the end of all of this. But it's not going to be as robust a rebuild as previous iterations and then that just puts more pressure on their own draft picks to hit at the top of the lottery for them to draft a future all-star like the Cavs got with Darius Garland or the Bulls weren't able to do when they tanked for four years and ended up with Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter who they traded for Nikola Vucevic and Kobe White like maybe they don't get the picks that they're hoping for or maybe they miss on a couple spots but what they're really banking on is I guess those draft picks that are going to be their own because they're not going to have a lot of resources to bring in other players if they decide we're going to tank and we're going to tear this thing to the studs because they lost out on the Bradley Beal situation and they cut their losses and they're not going to get a robust trade for Kristaps Porzingis or Kyle Kuzma, which are their only two real pieces of value going forward because they've been whiffing on their first-round picks over the past couple years, and they messed up the Bradley Beal situation. So maybe tearing this thing to the studs and trying to rebuild is the best solution, but it's not like they're going to have as much flexibility as some of the other teams that have been trying to rebuild over the last few years, specifically Oklahoma City, Utah, and San Antonio. Those teams have a lot of flexibility because they have a lot of draft picks and they have a lot of value. Um, the Washington Wizards are not going to have that. Their rebuild's probably going to closely resemble the Houston Rockets, who granted the Houston Rockets have been the worst team in the NBA over the last three years. But at least the Houston Rockets have a few players to show for it, specifically the lottery picks of Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and whoever they get with the fourth pick in this year's draft. At least they'll have something to show for it at the top ends of the draft. Granted, I know Kevin Porter Jr. is there, and he's a good young player, and Tari Eason is someone people really like, and Albert Sengen is a guy who they navigated their way to acquiring in a deal with the Brooklyn Nets draft pick that they got at the end of the James Harden deal, but it's they they might do some maneuvering, they might do some accumulation of value from guys who will get more minutes, like maybe Denny Advia, like Monte Morris getting 35 minutes a game. They might get a chance to put up 25 points, and maybe next year they're worth a first round pick. But for the most part, the Washington Wizards are going to be operating with less value which gives them less flexibility and less opportunity which means their rebuild is going to probably be more contingent on 
those picks they get at the top of the draft. Those top, top draft picks are going to be more important. The same way they were important for Houston when they got Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and whoever they're going to get with the fourth pick in this year's draft. Those three years of losing are going to be all about those top draft picks. And the Wizards are crossing their fingers that their talent evaluation is going to be able to select a future all-star at the top of the draft. And historical precedent would suggest not a great chance that's going to work out for the Wizards. Although, granted, the one time they tanked in the past, they walked away with John Wall and Bradley Beal, who are both future all-stars. Granted, they also took Otto Porter Jr. with the third pick in the draft, which was, you know, maybe not the best pick in the world. Wasn't the worst pick in the world, but wasn't the best pick in the world. But the last time they tanked, they did walk away with John Wall and Bradley Beal, who were both future All-Stars. So, who knows? Maybe it'll work out great for the Washington Wizards going forward, and maybe the ping-pong balls will fall their way in the future so that they will not be drafting 9th, 9th, 15th, 10th, and 8th like they have over the last five seasons. And then from the Phoenix Suns standpoint, I mean, this one's pretty simple. I mean, the Phoenix Suns are a better team than they were before. They're going to have a better buffer for when a player gets injured like Chris Paul did in the playoffs last year so that they're not starting Jock Landale in the playoffs for a winner go home game six against the Nuggets, which granted that was just a specific example with a funny name because Jacques Landale started that game six where they got blown out on their home court by the Denver Nuggets. But I made the, the joke on Twitter and it went viral because the NBA retweet account retweeted it, ironically. Um, but last year, the Phoenix Suns went six games against the Denver Nuggets. They were the team out of... All four that they faced, they were the team that gave the Denver Nuggets the best run for their money. I'm sure most people would agree that the Suns were one of the three best teams in the Western Conference. I think slightly fewer people would agree the Suns were one of the two best teams in the Western Conference. The the trade makes them a better team. Getting Bradley Beal in exchange for not a top 50 player in the NBA and not one of your three best players is obviously going to make the Phoenix Suns better. It doesn't make them better than the Denver Nuggets. And I made the joke on Twitter that went viral that the Denver Nuggets beat the Suns in six games last year in the playoffs. And then in the second round in 2024, the Nuggets and Suns are going to play in the second round of the playoffs. And the Nuggets are going to beat them in five games. Because the Phoenix Suns go as far as Devin Booker takes them. Any trade for Bradley Beal, even trade for Kevin Durant, give up as many draft picks as you want, as many players as you want. The Phoenix Suns go as far as Kevin Booker takes them. And they were able to win two games against the Denver Nuggets last year because Devin Booker scored 45 points in a game where he shot 70% from the field in Game 3, and then scored 48 points in a game where he shot 77% from the field, the Suns as a team shot 58% from the field, and won a Game 4 against Denver on their home court where Jokic scored 53 points. The Suns go as far as Devin Booker takes them, and Devin Booker was good enough to win them two games last year 
in the playoffs against the Denver Nuggets. And they will continue to go as far as Devin Booker takes them. And by the way, Devin Booker, I think at this point, is safe to say, is one of the seven best players in the NBA. Like, having Devin Booker with competence on their team, and they have competence at this point. Like, I know they gave up all their draft picks. I know they gave up their young players. But, like, having Kevin Durant and having Bradley Beal and bringing back Campaign, who's on a partially guaranteed contract, like, they're going to have competence. They're going to have a good team, and that's going to guarantee them at least making the second round of the playoffs. And given the state of the Western Conference, is probably going to guarantee them one of the three best teams in the West. And if not one of the three best teams in the West, one of the two best teams in the West. And if the standings break right, they'll make it to a conference finals. Like Phoenix is that good of a team. But they are that good of a team because they have Devin Booker. And as long as Devin Booker is playing at the peak of his potential, they've given him a second all-star, even a second all-NBA player in Kevin Durant, and now a third best player who is one of the better third best players in the entire league. They're going to be one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And by one of the best, I mean one of the seven best I don't necessarily mean they're going to be one of the two best in the league, but they are going to for sure be one of the seven best in the league. The only pushback on that is most people would have probably agreed that they would have been one of the five best teams in the NBA last year or one of the seven best teams in the NBA last year. So where do you go from there? I think there's a lot of interesting winding aspects to this from the Phoenix Suns standpoint because the Phoenix Suns find themselves in a position where they are the Phoenix Suns find themselves in the unique position of we have three all-stars on our team and our best player is one of the seven best players in the sport of his in his prime also like he is I mean if I'm just doing it off the top of my head like Giannis Jokic Embiid Steph Curry probably the only players you can say for sure are better than Devin Booker. Jason Tatum, you could maybe argue, is better than Devin Booker. After that, there ain't a whole lot who you can say definitively are better than Devin Booker. So if Devin Booker's in that second-tier group, under the best of circumstances, they can probably provide him with a championship-caliber team. Now, this is not the best of circumstances, but the best of circumstances for Boston was a team of Jalen Brown as a second All-Star, Robert Williams being a defensive anchor, and a whole bunch of depth. And their counter is, well, we can't get a whole bunch of depth. So our counter is Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. And it's not a terrible option, especially given they were about to sink a whole bunch of money on Chris Paul. And then Chris Haynes reported that they were just going to cut him and save the $15 million. The Phoenix Suns were going to sink a bunch of money on Chris Paul anyways, getting Bradley Beal at the end of it for three years and really four years on an expensive contract. It's not the end of the world. Not the worst thing that could happen to Phoenix. Doesn't make them a championship contender, but I don't think there's anything they can do that will make them... I mean, no, they are a championship contender. I shouldn't say that. They are a championship contender in the Western Conference. They expect to make the Western Conference Finals. If things break right for them, they can expect to make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, they expect to be one of the seven best teams in the NBA, but there was no trade they were going to make that was going to change that. The reason they're one of the seven best teams in the NBA is because they got Devin Booker, and Devin Booker is really, really good at basketball. And 
entering his physical prime at 26, 27 years old, Devin Booker has a chance to have a season that we look back on and say one of the best. Devin Booker has a chance to look back at the best chance that he's had to win an NBA Finals. Which is funny to think about given he was the best player on a team that came within two games of winning the NBA Finals two years ago when he was 24. Now he's 20, or when he was, yeah, when he was 24. He's going to turn 27 when the season starts this year. He is in his physical prime, and they have a team that I think in reality might be the best supporting cast he's ever had because they went from Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, and Miles Bridges and Cam Johnson to Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, DeAndre Ayton, campaign, and guys around the rest of the way. Granted, they're going to add some periphery pieces, but the core of the team, that's the best core Devin Booker has had. And that's what you get for going all in. That's what you get for trading four first-round picks, for giving up two or three second-round picks, giving up a 2028 pick swap, giving up a 2026 pick swap. This is what you get when you go all in for situations like that. They still have a first-round pick in 2024 they can use. Going all in gives their superstar who came within two games of being the best player on a team that won an NBA championship, that dude, who is now better than he was even two years ago, has the best supporting cast he's ever had, and if that team was good enough to almost win in 2021, them and Denver are probably the two best teams in the Western Conference at this point. I think it's pretty safe to say that if Phoenix was the number one seed two years ago, Denver was the number one seed this year, There is no evidence from the opposition in the Western Conference that points to Denver and Phoenix not being the two best teams in the West this coming season because Denver has Nikola Jokic, Phoenix has Devin Booker. Those are the two best players in the, uh, two of the three best players in the Western Conference other than Steph Curry. But Steph Curry's roster is trash. So Nikola Jokic, Devin Booker, Two of the three best players in the Western Conference. Their franchises have given them second All-Stars. Their franchises have provided competence. And the Phoenix Suns go as far as Devin Booker goes. In a vacuum, this trade doesn't make them definitively better than Denver. There was no trade they were going to be able to make that makes them definitively better than Denver. What they did was make a trade that makes them better in the short term. And they've only got like one more all-in move left to make. But they've already made two of them. It's hard to complain about going all in more than two gigantic trades the way that Phoenix has done it here with trading for Kevin Durant and then trading for Bradley Beal. They did both of those trades within a span of five months. So instead of dragging it out across three years of we go all in with this move and then all in with another move later, they just decided we're going to do it all at once and see where we go. And the other joke that I will point to is there's a pretty good scenario that this looks like that Darren Williams, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson, Brooklyn Nets team. It's a very real scenario where this team just becomes the a decade later version of that Brooklyn Nets team with Jason Kidd coaching the Nets and Frank Vogel coaching the Suns. I mean, come on, just recreate the photo shoot. Recreate that Sports Illustrated cover photo shoot. It would be funny for everyone involved that you guys are just the... 2014 Brooklyn Nets all over again because there's a world where that ends up happening there's also a world where they make it to the NBA finals all contingent on how far Devin Booker is going to take them
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Make sure to leave a five-star review, a download. Any and all support is greatly, greatly appreciated, and we appreciate that you have decided to continue to support this here fine program over the coming weeks and days and months. It is much, much appreciated. We will chat with you again tomorrow. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.